Go. All right, guys. Welcome to another episode of the Doctrines of Rad. I'm Logan. This is Drew. What's up? Uh, and, to, and today we got a got a couple uh, news breaking things for you. Um, but I'm going to open us up with a Bible verse. So and I'm, I'm going to oh, pause that. Uh, so I'm, I'm also wa- well. <laughs> I'm watching us on YouTube as we go live on YouTube. Um, but yeah, so I'm reading from the ESV. So if you're a King James only, I, I do apologize. I'm Get sorry out of for here. That. <laughs> but Genesis 2, 18, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper excuse me, I will make him a helper fit for him. And uh, that's kind of uh, in line with what we got going on today with the SBC and what was uh, discussed. I actually got to have uh, Pastor Slater call me on his way back from the conference. He said he had a great time. Oh, he was there. Yeah, he was there. Uh, He said he didn't get to stay for the ending portion or the, the results. So it's not official yet what they decided today, especially about, uh, um, I guess kicking out the Saddleback Church and the other church for uh, uh, holding two female pastors. Right. Um, it won't be actually confirmed until next uh, next convention. So it takes two consecutive conventions. So um, wow, Saddleback Saddleback Church has like twenty three thousand members. Wow, right, in their church, and good on them for like not like oh you're a big church. You have a lot of money. You obviously donate a lot to the SBC. We can't lose you. No, no, no. Either right. you're going to be faithful or you can go. So, yeah. yeah I mean, so what is the, for people that are jumping and maybe not tracking what's going on uh, in the SBC, um, essentially Saddleback Church, uh, Rick Warren's church, if you're not familiar with either of those names, perhaps uh, the Purpose Driven Life book may ring a bell to you that's uh, rick warren that wrote that about 25 years ago now right it's been about yeah very long. popular very time. popular book yeah it was um, a bestseller for many years um a lot of people uh that i know that had read that you know early on in their christian walk and felt encouraged by it so you know not to and you know in any way shape or form take away what God has done through Rick Warren and through his church. You know, I believe God, whether in pretense or in truth, right. The, the gospel is being preached. Jesus is being glorified. So uh, it will draw, God will use, use those things to draw uh, people to himself. So uh, essentially Saddleback church has, uh, is fighting over debating the position or holding the position that um, women can hold the, role of pastor they can be ordained and can be pastors in churches and so this is not just an sbc debate this has been a this is a christian debate that has been going on as long as i've been a believer i would imagine probably the same for logan um uh on one side according to the results that we saw at least coming out uh through people that were there on twitter uh, an overwhelming majority, I think, in the 80 percentile or something of SBC, SBC churches did vote against keeping Saddleback in fellowship because of their position on uh, women pastors. And so uh, from the, the numbers that I saw, there was probably like, I think it was roughly 1,100 or so um, votes that were in favor of keeping Saddleback with the SBC. And then there were uh, tens of thousands of votes against it from what I remember. Right. Um, so anyway, yeah, uh, it's because they, and an interesting thing came up, uh, during this conference too, 
there was a a woman pastor from a, an SBC church who was uh, essentially saying, "Hey, look, you know, unlike some of the other churches in the SBC, I'm more we conservative. Stayed, we stayed open," is what she said during <laughs> COVID when they shut down. So she was trying to play that, you know, that side of the the uh, we got, you know, we're on the same team sort of thing. But she had been a pastor there for over, I think, twenty years. Um, and so the question that really came up was why, why now? And I think that's why she, she even asked that it was Fern, Fern Creek church, I believe. Fern Creek church. They're the other yeah. ones that were, uh, are being asked to be removed. By the way, the video I sent you, yeah. that's her wearing that rainbow oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, ribbon. Yeah. Uh, so they're an affirming SBC church as well, which is, I mean, uh, I, I adding... believe they're, they're moving towards affirming, uh, don't well, it won't be that. hard to do now that they are being voted out of the SBC. <laughs> so, um, the, and the, so like, and that's the statistics on it. As most female or like uh, female-led churches, pastors uh, yeah. eventually within five to seven years become LGBTQ uh, LGBTQ affirming. Yeah. So uh, you can see, um, and I, I know slippery slope fallacy is a it is a fallacy, but you can see as uh, you kind of distort one thing, it kind of perverts other things and we take liberties and in other ways. And it's kind there of even, statistically shows yes. that happening. Yeah. So. There was even a, a speech uh, on the floor uh, of the convention. A, a woman was essentially asking um, or saying something along the lines of like, look, if you want to, if you want to continue in that mindset, then, you know, look at, go look at the Methodist church, you know, go join the Methodist church if that's what you want to participate in. Um, because she was making the point that these churches that just exactly look like what you said, um, that have given over to female ordination and female leadership um, have very quickly, in fact, I would say, gone down the um, the hole of uh, LGBTQ affirming, trans affirming, abortion is a right, those, those sort of things. So um, yeah. I think that that is a judgment from the Lord. I, I think you have to look at that statistically. Like we don't have to be nerds about it, but like what is the majority of the churches that are, that are doing that, that have allowed uh, women uh, to be ordained and, and serve as pastors? Yeah. So it, it, you see that. So PCUS, so you don't see this in the Presbyterian church, right? This issue, um, but you did at one point, right? So the PCUSA, um, you know, I, we have one right down the street from where I live, uh, Lloyd Presbyterian, which has female elders, right? Mm. And they are, um, they do all, I, I, I mean, I, I believe that they're also LGBTQ affirming. Then you have the Methodist church and it's mm. split that is occurring or just occurred, um, which is now moving towards uh, LGBTQ affirming, right? So it started with female pastors and now it's it's moving along those lines. And I think it is judgment, right? You turn God, turning them over, uh, to their desires. So, uh, why sign, is it... It, homosexuality is a sign of of that happening, of that judgment happening. I think that's what Romans makes pretty clear. That yeah, Romans you know, one. Yeah, seeing those giving themselves over in sexual depravity uh, is a sign of God's judgment. And uh, I was just thinking this day. I actually posted this on Twitter, but um, I was thinking more about the rainbow. I was listening to a, a Doug Wilson. Uh, thing that he released today i know uh and um but it got you know me he's thinking not a about, baptist right was that he's not a baptist or... i know i know he's not <laughs> but nor nor am i my friend uh, i like 
I like staying in the non-denominational limbo that I'm in because then I, <laughs> okay. you know, I get to reach everybody, you know, the heathens gotcha. and the Gentiles and the Jews. Um, but no, um, I was really thinking about how, you know, the sign that God gave after a major judgment on the earth was yeah. the sign of a rainbow. And it was it was uh, peace to be to be had on the earth that it wouldn't be flooded again. And it was a promise from God. And I I just think it's really interesting the uh, the depravity that led to God flooding the earth yeah. was sexual. Pride. You know, uh, it was pride. It was very similar. Um, and, you know, even if you want to go the supernatural route, you know, it was the the, the Nephilim were a part of that because he mentions the sons of God, um, you know, impregnating the daughters of man. And, and so if you wanted to even take that route, but it's still it's the same spiritual darkness. And it, it to me, the fact that they use the rainbow flag um, in order to promote sexual perversion and deviancy. Yeah. Is, is really just a giant demonic middle finger to God. I mean, it, it really is. It's it's like them taunting and mocking God, being like, look at this sign that you said you would use to never flood the earth after that great judgment. Look at you, God. Uh, we're going, this sign is going to be the sign of, of complete sexual degeneracy. And that's what it's become. And it's being pushed outside of our own borders into other nations as well. Um, as a religion, as a thing you must follow and obey or, or, mm. you know, or you don't do business. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if God works in, in patterns and repeats things, sometimes the mark of the beast could have been a then and a, and another coming thing. You know what I mean? Where it comes to bearing allegiance to the state um, in order to buy and sell. And that, I think the, the, the markings on the head signify the complete submission in thought to an idol and the marking on the hand is to imply complete submission in action to the idol. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I think that's a, it seems like that's a, a demonic repeat Satan, you know, well, the Bible says that there's nothing new under the sun. And I think that Satan continues to do the same tricks over and over again. Um, and it's just, it's at that point now where, Perhaps the Lord is still has still bound him to deceive the nations, but we may be getting close to a demonic birth pangs for for what may be unleashed, you know, as a final dying breath of of, of demons. Yeah, I was listening to Doug Wilson. Uh, he was on a, a podcast uh, basically talking about uh, post-millennialism and uh Basically, the question was asked, like, well, what does it look like in this post-millennial view if the devil is released um, to deceive? Like, what what does that look like? Yeah. And he basically described it that there there is a camp of post-millennials who believe that there will be this uprising uh, against the church one last time that will be quickly squashed. Yeah. Um, so, I mean that. I mean that, that is makes a, sense. Yeah, from our from our perspective. Well, no, Uh, exactly. But like I would say, I would be in that camp of post millennials because to me that makes um, it does seem to make sense with the Battle of Armageddon, uh, the studies that I've that I've read on there. Even Michael Heiser's study on Armageddon is uh, is uniquely. I mean, it's not it's not a reformed. It's not really a post millennial view, but um, it's not a pre millennial view either. I don't think he ever uh, upheld the rapture 
uh, theology or doctrine, but um, oh, that's a good question. You know, he sure. he makes a um, he makes a good argument that that the the Battle of Megiddo is actually it's not going to be the Valley of Megiddo where most people have said over the years um, because Megiddo is a mountain and in Revelation it talks about Mount Megiddo. And so his his argument through all of his other, you know, tying things together is that that final battle will be in Jerusalem uh, in some way, like the final mm. the final uprising. And that because, you know, I, I believe I think Christ coming back in Jerusalem makes sense. Right. Is that still you think that's a post millennial view? Uh, so I th- I think um that where the first Adam was formed on Mount Moriah, the last Adam was crucified, and then mm. his return will occur. Um, that, that lines also up also in the same place. With yeah. with that that goes similar to what we were talking about a couple of weeks ago with um, Isaac and the crucifixion happening in that same in that same place. So, yeah. Um, so the, you, yeah, that makes that makes sense. I mean, I I think Israel is still. Um, as as a part of like holy dominion and holy territory, I I, I do think that there is still a significance there uh, in Jerusalem, particular uh, as God's promised land. Um, so I think the story still revolves around that that local that geographical area, uh, mm-hmm. and yet you know every everyone will see the coming of the Lord. It won't matter if it's in Jerusalem or you know like the Mormons believe they believe it's in Independence, uh, Missouri, here about 15 <laughs> minutes away from my house. Of so, course they do. <laughs> but whether he right. came back in independence or not, people from independence will see Jesus coming back. So I got I got a question for you. So all day today while working, yeah. um, just listening to the radio, I was listening to NPR and uh Oh, sorry. Well, I, <laughs> but it was it was great because I do you need do you need pills <laughs> to, to solve that depression? Because that's what NPR it was, was, it was good. It was good. Um so I got to hear like what the libs think about the SBC's decision. Right? Oh, okay. And, and, yeah. and so, uh, you know, I, they, they're pushed for this uh, equality aspect. Why, why would it be wrong? You think for um, the SBC to make a decision maybe on, from their view, I know you don't think that it's wrong, but yeah. why, why would you, why would, why would it be wrong for us to boot churches that affirm female pastors? From a cultural standpoint, well, from a cultural standpoint, I can I could see that being um, more fuel to the fire for the intolerance view of mm. Christianity. The That's bigotry. really what they were pushing. Yeah. Well, dude, did we talk about the that um, documentary that came that came out, Shiny Happy People, about the Duggars? Did we bring that up at all? No. What is so, that? Oh man, I don't even know what you're talking about. Well, okay, so you know the the um, the the Duggar family that was on TLC, it was like 20 kids and counting or something. I don't know what the name of it was, but they were basically, they had um, a ton, ton of children. They were highlighted on, on TLC with their own show. They were the Duggar family. Well, there were some allegations and, and some arrests that came out that basically, oh, I heard that whole thing happen. Do you need to, do you need to pause for a second? All right, here, I'm going to put myself on solo for a minute. No, yeah, no, I can hear you. Yeah. Okay. Well, you can hear, but I, I, you can, you're free to clean up without looking embarrassing. All right. So uh, anyway, so with this, um, with this family, the, I, I believe Josh is the oldest son, but he was uh, charged and he is now in prison for um, 
sexually assaulting his own family, his own sisters. Um, oh, and so a lot of that came out and they're also part of this, uh, this independent, I think it was an independent fundamental fundamentalist Baptist church, but I, I may be, I may be misquoting that, but they were part of this church that essentially was very culty. And so a lot of the, the cult mentality of the church kind of bled into the family life and it was part of the, the highlight of the show. And um, of course, you know, now those that are against Christianity are um, really the documentary was made uh, with a very anti-Christian slant to it. And so ah, it was really trying to go it, it very much. So like it was really trying to go against the idea of Christian nationalism because they were saying that um, these kids, you know, were raised up and, and they're taught debate and they're, they're um, pushed to go to run for Congress, to be a part of, um, you know, the, the uh, Senate and, you know, be being a part of politics. And so they were kind of, trying to make it sound like this was like a militant Christian group that was trying to quote unquote infiltrate the government and raising their but children when, to do that so that they could, but when the them. secular world does it, it's so it's just education, I guess. Well, that's, yeah, that's the thing is like, you know, of course they, that's, that's what, that's what the accuser does, right? The accuser, um, he, uh, he very much blames people for doing the very thing that he does. You know, I think that's, and that's what we see that in politics all the time. Um, the, you know, on both sides, both, both parties will blame the other side for doing the very thing that they themselves do and then trying to condemn it. So, uh, I think that's a very demonic thing that happens. Um, so yeah, they're trying to make it, uh, they're trying to say, Oh, the Christians are doing this. The Christians are invading culture and politics and, but at the same time, they're the people in Marx. Marx but we are, though. Yes, we are. Yeah. And so <laughs> yeah, and I are. think and that is truly the idea with with Christian nationalism is, hey, look, we are going to we're like no more no more passive Christianity where we are just going to go along with, you know, be passive, non-confrontational, non non you know, we're just going to be agreeable. We don't want to ruffle any feathers. We don't want to be in the political sphere. Like we're, we're, we are no longer, I, I, I think Christians are no longer going to be doing that. Um, right. Absolutely and, not. Uh, That's why we're in the situation that we're in. Right. No so longer are we just going to sit back? I think we've, we've decided that um, the, the silence has been worse for everything, you know, I just remember thinking even to myself, like thinking back towards the, towards the, uh, Obergfell case, which, uh, allowed, you know, gay marriage as, uh, being federally recognized. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't feel like I ever really heard, um, any Christian, um, adamantly opposing it. It seemed, it seemed the church was mostly quiet about it. Um, you know, mostly willing to say like, or, you know, wanting to the, the attitude of the church is, oh, it's not really my business. And so, you know, we kind of, we took a step back and said, you know, okay, whatever, if the state wants to do it, it's not, we're not going to speak out against it. And it, 
But then, well, there were some people, but they were kind of looked at as even amongst other conservatives and Christians, they were looked at as kind of crazy because they would be the ones saying things like, uh, this is just the beginning. If you if you legalize gay marriage, then they're going to it's going to be children next and other things and other things. And we I mean, we really have seen proof of that with um, with even as of recently with all of the. Did you see the trans TikToker that got banned from the White House for being topless? What, did he get banned? Because I, yeah. from my understanding is he was. No, the, the White House released there. a statement today. Oh, that, um, good. That it good. Was, finally, today what, after. Yeah, that it was disrespectful. It was, uh, you know, not proper, all of that stuff. And then that, that person, finally. that man with breasts uh, is no longer uh, invited to the White House. So. Uh, and I'm sure that it would probably after the, the fact the woman who chopped off her breast, I'm sure, is probably also uninvited. But, you know, that wasn't the big the people seem to have less of a problem with a woman, a biological woman who had chopped off her breasts, exposing her uh, topless chest. Uh, all day, all day watch, listening to NPR. And that didn't come up once. Oh, interesting. Well, why but would the SBC it? thing uh, came up several times? So. Sure. Well, what is, you know, why does Satan have to report on what he's doing? Mm. You know, yeah. at this point, um, he's just reporting on what, what God's doing. So for the, for the audience on the SBC thing. Um, so, you know, I have a, I have a young lady who goes to my fitness class. She's a feminist, you know, mm. um, and I kind of like told her what the topic was today. She's like, I absolutely disagree with this. <laughs> I was like, I bet you would. Um, yeah. But here's, here's why it's not wrong, right? So uh, the biblical feminist movement uh, started arose in the 1970s, 1980s. And the, the term complementarianism came out as a defense uh, to just give a term to historical understanding of the roles of men and women that complement one another. And mm. uh, orthodoxy believes in male headship. Right, so the SBC is only getting heat for this, which isn't new to the church, right? Catholics, high church has male headship, right? There's never going to be a female pope. Um, well, not yet, anyway. So, well, yeah. Um, so, so complementarianism basically describes that there is a role for men and a role for women, um, and they complement one another, but they don't need to uh, inter. They're not interchangeable, and. Um, and I agree with that, right? I, I believe in male headship um, for households, I think. And we were going to have Pastor Todd on tonight to talk about what he's been doing at his church. Um, and I really wanted to focus in on that. So hopefully we get to have him on next yeah. time we, we meet. Um, but basically what he's been doing is he's been focusing heavily on leading his his <laughs> night baby. I love Aww, you. Good night. <laughs> yeah, say good night. Say good night. <laughs> good night cutie pie all right uh, um but it was it was really cool so he roofs with me now he's a his bivocational so he roofs with me and then he preaches yeah, yeah. Um, so he's, he's living the life i want man <laughs> um but basically he started investing a significant amount of time into the men in his church mm. and he started seeing growth and change in the women and the children in his congregation just by investing into the men. Um, 
So male headship, right? So we see male headship occur when we have Adam first, then Eve coming from man. The, the decrees are given to Adam, not Eve. Um, the, the, the curse begins with Adam. Uh, the penalty begins with Adam, right? He, the moment Adam eats, we recognize nakedness, right? So there's, there's male headship throughout scripture and this patriarchy that we have. Uh, obviously the, the Bible describes father, uh, the God as, as father, right? As, as male, uh, in his representation of himself. So, um, it, it is clear that there is a sense of male headship and a, 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 a reason for that. Right. Um, and we, we kind of talked about this a little bit, uh, during our, discussion about Eve in exile. So I don't need to bring other stuff up if you guys want to go back and watch a couple episodes back. Um, but it, 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 it isn't necessarily uh, uh, saying that we're not equal, right? Because we are equal in the sense of male, male and female in the sense that we're human beings, but we're not equal in our task and our roles and our, our duties. Right. And, you know, the left or the left would say, yeah, that's just us and subscribing cultural um, norms to, to these things we call male and female. But uh, in reality, it, it comes from somewhere. It stems from something. Yeah. And if you if you attack that, if you take away from that, then um, you are very easily going to uh, get the family out of the picture um, you, you begin to attack somebody's, you know, the, the roles of gender, the importance of God putting, um, you know, giving Eve to Adam as a help meet. Uh, it's the, it seems to be the complete picture. Um, marriage is, comes from that and is born out of that. And we see that there are, you know, there's such importance in, in the marriage union and the roles in that marriage too, God just seems to have uh, a lot to say through the expression of the two genders that he created. So um, Logan is, looks like he may be having some technical difficulties uh, at the moment. So uh, while he's not here, I suppose uh, now is a good, <laughs> as good a time as any, if, uh, if you're watching here on Twitter, um, that's cool. Thank you for coming in and uh, checking out the show. And uh, if you're watching here on YouTube, also thank you, of course. Um, you can follow myself on Twitter. It is uh, at Doctrines of Rad. You can email us uh, anything that you would like us to talk about or discuss or you know you want to get our thoughts or opinions on. Uh, email doctrinesofrad at gmail.com. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know that Log oh, Logan is coming back. It looks like he's making his way back in here. So I'll give him a few more seconds to get himself set up. There he is. He's coming back, bringing it back right now. My mother here called. Goes, and it, my mother called and they just threw this whole thing off. Oh, that's I'm hilarious. Well, <laughs> Way to go, back, mom. Sir. Thanks, mom. <laughs> what hey, I we're just talking about women bringing down everything, you know. Thanks, mom. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know why it's what is a woman and not what is a man? Yeah, you know, like why it's drag queens instead of drag kings, which is a a thing that's up and coming right now. It's a push. Oh, really? It's because it's because it's, it's it's one. If you attack a man, you're attacking one person. But if you attack a woman, you're attacking an entire nation. Mm. Right? You can take down an entire nation by taking down the mother. 
Mm. And she raises the children. She brings up both men and women. She she brings culture forth. Yeah. Right. So if I can get rid of women, if I can distort what a woman is, I can distort what her role is. If I can take yeah. down the woman, I'm taking down. Make the her entire focus nation. on work. I'm, make her focus yes. on working outside of the home. Uh, make her, you know, jealous to compete with men in in a business or an industry. Um, so know. that she doesn't have children, so that she right. doesn't worry about it, that she kills her babies, that she doesn't worry about uh, producing, you know, uh, people who are, uh, uh, you know, assets to society right. know, versus burdens. Um, I mean, the statistics of what, actually, if you ever look at the statistics of a, a female, a single mother homes versus single father homes and stark difference between the children. Sure. Yeah. Um, it's, if you can attack women, you can take down a nation. And yep. Marxism is doing that. I think the devil through Marxist socio. Uh, uh, so what's the tie in uh, then with the, the drag queen thing you think? What's the spiritual tie in there? It, it, so there, there, it's men, um, men wanting to become like women instead of leading women, right? So we, men have taken a back seat and have taken on the role of women um, to the point that women are now being forced to lead men. But guess what? It doesn't, it's, it's not working, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it doesn't work um, because women have uh, a different role. They, they're, they're tied to emotions differently than men are. They don't, they're, I mean, I know that sounds misogynistic to anyone that doesn't understand our worldview, but the women are designed to, to do things differently within a household and how you nurture sure. and cha uh, raise children. Um, so men are, women are being attacked. And one of those things is through like, for example, right? Trans women uh, in sports, you're destroying women's sports. It's gone. Yeah. It is no longer a thing, right? Uh, dressing up as women drag queens. You're destroying women. Women's beauty. Presenting themselves, women's beauty. Yeah. Right? It's now something else, something other than, something different. Yeah, it's fake. It, it has been altered. Um, now, so so how do we how do we teach a culture this, even though we they remain secular, right? So I'm not saying you need to become a Christian, but you do need to understand that there is there is something going on here that is destroying America alone, like specifically the West in and of itself. Yeah. I don't know what the, I mean, the only answer I, I really know is, is changing hearts through the gospel and living in accordance to God's standards, um, teaching others to be obedient to Christ. You know, I think that's uh, the, the great commission there. Um, and not only living living like we believe what we believe about the promises of God, living, living, um, standing on the foundation of truth, not wavering, uh, protecting life of, of people. I think as we continue to do, to do that and we become more bold to proclaim the truth, I think people will change. I think the culture around us will change, uh, because we've only heard these we've only heard voices in promotion and affirmation of these ideologies. And for, for a long time, 
the, the church that should have been standing up against this has been silent. And I, I don't think that we're being silent anymore. Um, and so, but more pastors need to, to see the importance of their role and how they live and the example that they set with their congregation and what they teach. Um, and, and we need to, uh, realize that, uh, our decisions and our voice does matter and we shouldn't yeah. be passive anymore waiting for the Lord to just come back and whatever state the can, the world is in, it's like, well, Lord, we, you know, we knew you were coming back, so we didn't do anything about it. You know, it's like, no, I think as long as we have breath in our lungs, we're, su- we're supposed to proclaim the truth. So until they take that breath away, um, and I, you know, and I sound like a hypocrite even saying it, dude. Like I, I sit here, I can say this on YouTube, you know, I can post it on Twitter, but what am I doing every day of my life to, to show that I believe that? Like, how am I showing you my faith by my works? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. so it's, it's, it's tough because, you know, I mean, yes, I do believe that the internet, uh, Twitter, everything YouTube is, is the new town square. It's the new Agora of the world, right? It's the place where ideas are exchanged, where people, um, nice reference there. So <laughs> Which one? The uh, Agora? Agora, yeah. Yeah. I was doing a study on it because I wanted to know more about like how that whole process worked, like what uh, what people were doing there, you know, and it, it's really was just like a giant open air, what we would consider a grocery store today, but all kinds of goods being sold. And then entertainment, you'd have people doing, you know, juggling and clowns and uh, you'd have performers, but you'd also have people that were uh, leaders in thought and they would speak and, and speak philosophies and challenge people's ideas. And it was really, it was truly a square for debate. That's where people really, the hard issues of society were, were handled in the open forum. And that's what was great about that type of, of, uh, time in, in, in the world was we really got to see, um, because I think there was a lot of, there was a, I mean, that was a, a hotbed for spiritual activity. The Lord, um, you know, the Agora was around, you know, before, before the time of Christ, but like what a perfect opportunity and platform, even the temple being used as a place for um, conversations to be had. Like it was, it was the perfect time for the Lord to come because the ideas and the Holy spirit, that's when God decided to spread it, you know? Yeah. So there was even a distortion there. They would actually have, uh, so it was considered a man's job to do philosophy and a woman's job to go and pick the grain and hunt and do everything else, right? So she would bear the burden of the man while they sat around and thought. Yeah, good point. (laughs) Just thought. Yeah. (laughs) And then obviously you had people who weren't as great of thinkers um, doing other, other duties and stuff, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a, I, I think there's, the, there's obviously you can, honestly, if you actually did a study in it, you probably would find a, a link between men not doing their job and the fall of most of the Mediterranean, like oh, Greek sure. areas. Well, and it, when it's society becomes so focused on personal pleasure, either way, I mean, I'm sure it's, it's probably a little bit of both. It's probably the, the men uh, living effeminate lives, not living out their roles as men, uh, in addition to a culture that supported that, uh, and then really sought after pleasure. And, um, you know, and of course, intellectual thought was looked at, at, you know, as important as well. 
So there was a, a huge emphasis on that and less emphasis on actual like doing things. And I, I think that's kind of the danger of our current social media situation is we have a lot of people talking about stuff, but what are we doing you know, in practicality with the things that we believe? Are, are we living those out? Are we, are we speaking, yeah. you know? Well, so, and this is a shame to me, um, I'm, you know, willing to confess it that uh, uh, before I became a theonomist, right, I, I have a video on my YouTube channel of me advocating for the satanic church. Really? Right? It, it is in pluralism, right? So, mm -hmm. The idea here, and this is because of like the chaplaincy path that I was going down, yeah, is that in order to secure my freedom of religion in America, I also need to ensure that I'm securing the freedom of all religions. And I, and I still believe that in a sense, right? Like it, I, it needs to be allowed to an extent, but as a as someone who is a Christian nationalist, uh, I want God's law, theonomy, right? Um, in, in America specifically, it, it can't be right. You have to make that divide, mm. um, and, and and my heart was in the right place, right? Like I, because if I don't secure the freedoms of others, I have no right to my own, right? Then those that means that they can, um, they can you know basically tarnish my my freedom to religion, um, but and in, in there, I'm not saying that obviously the satanic church is right. Right, but I am saying that if we're going to put the Ten Commandments up in a public space, right. then they have every right to put something up for their church as well, right. according to American our American understanding. However, I I wish I wish it wasn't that way, right? I wish we just had Christianity. Um, now obviously people who aren't Christians would disagree, right? Um, well look at places it, like it, it gets murky, man, when we just stop taking a stand. And so that's kind well, that's, of where we are. And now. that's why we we're stop taking a stand. And now it, it feels like we have it we have to go to such extreme measures at this point because of how long we stayed silent and passive. So uh, you know, now we're having to have these thoughts of like, well, okay, so how does a Christian state work? You know, yeah. what, what does that look like? What, how, how do we secure the freedom of others to worship their deity? Uh, and yet how do we maintain, you know, our moral law that we know comes from God? So, I mean, it's, it doesn't seem like this is likely without, unfortunately, some sort of conflict, um, and that's, I think, my hope is that that's not necessary, but the way that everybody is so amped up and there's so many different sides of this and, and people are committing to violence, um, yeah. that does worry me that that may be the result. Yeah, my non-prophetic prophecy yeah, is that <laughs> we, we will see uh, a climax of some type and one second. You're good. So we will see a climax. We, we, we will see a climax of some kind in the future where these two worldviews are going to clash and um, one is going to give way. Now, what that climax looks like, whether it's war or policy or uh, maybe separation, uh, but it, it, there is a potential for this to lead to civil war on the backs of abortion. Right? That is yeah. the, the cry, the same way the abolitionists cried for 
Um, so, so many other things were occurring during the time of the Civil War, right? It wasn't just slavery, um, but on the backs of slavery, this war was was produced, right? That we 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 were were willing to kill brother uh, against brother, right? Um, you know, it's like everyone wants to be awake. It's like we do this at <laughs> ten o'clock for a reason. So my my daughter didn't go to sleep till like three today and stay to sleep till six. So this little girl's not going to bed anytime soon. No, it's okay, man. Don't worry. We we're like uh, apology at church. We have kids in and out running around making noise. It's all good. <laughs> They're a part of the family. Now, so, so, I mean, that climax, whatever that's going to be, but there will be a clash of these two worldviews, especially yeah. if the Christian church is now willing to push back and say, you know what? It's not working. We, we sat back and we allowed you guys yeah. to do these things and perversion leads to more perversion. Look at what um, happening, what's happening in California. They just, um, they just, I don't know if they pushed a bill or what it is that's going to be affecting the law, but basically it's going to be considered uh, child abuse if you do not uh, transition yep. your child. So yeah. you, you can't tell me that there are not going to be parents that are going to, that are going to go to violence in some way. Uh, Cause I mean, over my dead body, come and try to take right? my daughter from me. Over there my was a, a woman. I, I just watched a video uh, earlier on Twitter. She was speaking to, some sort of government entity, I suppose it looked like a, a board of some kind, but her daughter um, was basically taken from her and given hormones against her, uh, against her parents' wishes. And then when they finally cleared the case and the daughter was given back, it was too late. Um, she was already basically, you know, in full, full on her mental illness. The, the girl the girl ended up kneeling down in front of an oncoming train and committed suicide. So this was a mother that was out there advocating to stop this insane thing. So uh, I don't know the words are gonna work, dude. Like I, I just don't I just don't know. I, I just see this hitting a, a tipping point. Something needs to be done. Um in society and uh we need people in in whatever leadership we have left in this country to stand up and say um what's up brett uh stand well, so, up. so here's, here's another thing that needs to happen right so if christians are going to make this stand we're gonna like you know i i associate with the christian worldview and i'm now going to take a stand with uh this 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 christian nationalist answer at least push back right Y'all better start living up to what you believe in. Yeah, I mean that, that right? really yeah, don't means make going the to church jail. look worse, right? That don't make right. the church look worse in the process. You're advocating for X, but also sleeping around on your wife. Right. Right. Beating your children. Because they're gonna look for every little family. thing. Right. They're gonna look to, for every to little thing to accuse. Point you. that finger back yeah. at us. Yep. So no, you're you're absolutely right. That's that's a very important um the devil will the devil will try he'll 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 do whatever he can he's the accuser of the brethren right i mean he's going to do everything in his power to expose your works but if you're truly if you are truly relying on the lord and faithful and standing up for truth and and with your whole heart you know knowing that um to live is christ but to die is gain like yeah. the, the lord will get glory out of that and 
um, I think we have to really, I think this next season, at least for me is learning how to let go of loving my life. And that's, um, I feel like that's something the Lord has been kind of showing me is like, cause you know, if, if you love your life, you will lose it. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think even with my own children and my own wife, I think about it, man. I mean, what are my prayers focused on? Um, praying for their safety, you know, thanking the Lord for them. Like they, they very easily can become a part of loving this life. Um, and, and of course I'm going to love my children with everything that's in me and, and my wife as well, but I have to be willing to let the Lord be the Lord over my family. And, mm. and that means I can't have anxiety and worry and panic over what could possibly happen, what kind of danger they, they could be in. It's like, no, I, I can pray and I can stand on God and I can ask for protection, but I ultimately have, I surrender my, my family over to, to the Lord as much as my own life, because I know that to live is yeah. Christ, but to die is gain. Die is gain. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, like, I, I don't have boys. <laughs> So and I don't know if he's ever going to bless me with the boy, but uh, I want to raise two girls that are so powerful in their yeah. in their womanhood that they Amen. take a huge stance for for the truth of who God is in their life. Right, and it's my job to raise them to do that because they will. Um, they may raise boys. You will get your. You could get your boys through your girls. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? Like so, what you instill oh, into them this will be instilled. Cry. Stop it. Well, you gotta, you have to, we we have to look at our legacies, man. You know, there's the only thing I want for my children is to love Jesus. That's Mm. the only thing I want for them. I mean, that is the top priority, uh, but not, not to love Jesus because I want them to love Jesus, like to truly, to, to truly lean on him and, and to see him as God and Lord and, and to know that, he is a treasure. He is the treasure. He's the treasure that we seek. Uh, he's, he's, he's our hope. And it's like, of course I want my kids to be successful. I want them to enjoy what they do for work. I want them to find wives, my sons to find wives, to have, you know, tons of children, but I don't, I, I don't want that more than I want them to have a relationship with Jesus. Right. So it, it involves with leading by example, right? That whole, if the time comes, you know, lay down my life. But also training them to understand the, the, the purpose and the value and the importance of why you laid down your life. Was I, was, was I not enough for daddy to stay with me? Well, in the terms of eternity in Christ, then no, you absolutely weren't. Uh, but if if you do instill that, they understand why and they follow, they follow in your footsteps. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, yeah. It, there's there's going to be some kind of climax where these two worldviews are going to clash, and it is happening. And yeah. you know, me being the again, like just listening to the news and stuff, I'm like, it might be this next election. Yeah, you know, it, it, it may it may very soon. well be. Yeah, um, it it could just build and build and build until finally um, frustrations explode. Uh, but yeah, they. You come after my children. This is why. This is why I refuse public school right now. I don't want her to be indoctrinated. One, yeah, it's man. for your safety as a Christian father or mother that you don't send your child off to be brainwashed that they're a right. sex that they're not, just for them to be taken away from you. 
because now they're you don't agree with them transitioning, but now they have to because the state says so. And so yeah. you basically line them up for the slaughter, and now you're going to prison for sending them to public school, right? So it is. Yeah, there's really just I mean, and 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 I I have such a hard time to like just some of my own insecurities with being a, a homeschool teacher. Um, I never feel like I'm teaching enough. I never feel like I'm doing enough. Um, I, uh, I, I worry sometimes, am I, you know, am I missing teaching them certain things, you know, that they need to know. And, and then I think about the social aspect of it. And I know that my, my kids are social. They like to be social. Um, and there's, there's some of that there too. And, you know, you feel like, you're just denying them that, that, um, that opportunity. And, uh, but my boss is homeschooled him and his brother. Right. So my bosses were homeschooled. They're weird. Right. They're, they're good dudes. Yeah. (laughs) They're, they're watching right now. So I'm just kidding. Oh, nice. Right on. You are weird, but is that Rhett? No. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm assuming they're watching without actually entering the studio. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I, you know, I just, I have to, I, I, first of all, I have to trust the Lord. And, and I think part of that is also realizing that like the social settings, the type of social settings that they would have in a public school are, they're just so full of, it's like so many people pouring their own recipe into the soup, you know? you're going to get, you know, a minestrone, you're going to get a kale, you're going to get, you know, a chicken noodle. And at the end of the day, it's all going to taste terrible because, you know, there's everybody's dumping in their ideologies and stuff into your kids. And, yeah. uh, but I mean, you turned out fine, right? I mean, yeah, way, but I went, potentially I went to, helped. well, I mean, the Lord had me in school and, and he certainly, um, protected you through it. Oh, Rhett, that emailed last week. Oh, oh, what's up, Rhett? Cool. Sweet. I don't know why my nose got stuffy all of a sudden. Um, so, uh, yeah, but I, school is different, dude. Like, I don't feel like school, we didn't have social media. I, I may, I turned out all right, but I was in a generation that we didn't have, we didn't have cell phones. We, we had pagers. That was the closest that we got to like communicating outside of going to a payphone. The right. uh, AOL was just, just starting to be a thing just when start. I was like a junior. Oh, you're old. <laughs> so you were a junior. <laughs> I was. A, I think I was a junior, a sophomore, or junior when AOL, like when chat rooms were really starting to become a thing. You're so, like I'm a millennial, but I'm an elder millennial. No, I'm a gen. I'm a Gen Xer. Dude. Oh, I'm you're like, a baby Gen. I, yeah, I'm a baby <laughs> Gen Xer. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, but no, I. Uh, I just, what school didn't benefit me at all, Gen- yeah. genuinely. Like, I, I didn't get good grades. It really was just socializing for me. I got into a lot of trouble, um, so much so that I had to join the Navy because I, I couldn't stay out of trouble because I had no direction. And, of course, I wasn't raised by my my dad. I was raised by my mom. Right. I wasn't in a Christian home. So um, I was dis- very deceptive as a, as a child. I was very rebellious um probably psychologically did it for to get my dad's attention 
um, because I knew that the only time that he was really around and active is if I was in trouble. So it, it didn't really, it wasn't like a threat to me to be in trouble and I didn't have any direction in life anyway. So it wasn't, it didn't matter that I got arrested. It didn't, you know, it's just like, that's what life was. Um, so I don't know, go back to the public school thing. It's like, if, if, if school was like it was when I was in it, maybe I would still consider it, but, um, I just don't see the value anymore for, for my yeah. kids. Yeah. So, uh, another thing that came up on NPR today was the whole idea of banning books. Um, oh, yeah. you're not allowed to ban books just because they're LGBT, LGBTQ for me. Um, but I mean, we've, we've seen Christian books get banned all the time. So, uh, so now you just can't ban it. Material is banned. <laughs> yeah. But like, so for example, the one that was on, uh, what is a woman, right? It's literally, uh, a cartoon caricature of, of a couple having sex in a yeah. bed. And yeah. I was for ages five and up. Yeah. What? Yeah. So, it's, yeah. It's, uh, destroy women, man. And you take down a nation. So, well, and, and pornography is so pervasive now too. Like it's, uh, inaccessible. Easily it, accessible. It's and dude, I, I and I tell my kids this too. Like, I wish, like, if there was one thing that I regret, that I wish that I could take back, would be all of the pornography that I looked at when I was growing up. Um, I I understand because it other, distorts everything. Man. It, it, it absolutely takes the beauty away from it. Dude, it it has taken me twenty years of marriage to finally start to see uh, some breaking up of the damage that porn has done to my brain. It's wrong. Yeah, I mean, no, so... it's so, it's, it just makes it, uh, it changes the, your view on women. It changes the, the view on pleasure. Uh, it distorts it. It, it, um, it, you know, it's just so disrespectful. Um, it uh, it causes so many insecurities because it's never, you know, it's never like the pornography that you watch. And then, you know, as you watch pornography, you, you don't get you don't ever feel satisfied. So it may start as something innocent, like softcore something. It may start as like, a you know, like a Victoria's Secret, even something along those lines. That's that's what it was when I was a kid. I'd get my mom's Victoria's Secret magazine to look at you know, cause they were all in lingerie. Yeah. And so it starts there and then you're not satisfied. So then you look at the soft core stuff. Then you go to the normal, you know, I guess normal core stuff. And, and then you go to satisfying. feet and you're just looking at these feet and you're like, these are some great feet. Yeah. <laughs> if only it stopped at feet for people. Right. You know. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, and then you have a culture now where young women don't have to work. They can just do an only fans and, you know, show themselves for money and without having to have any, any goals, dreams, uh, inhibitions or anything, you know, they just. What a double off. standard that is too. It's right. We, we were willing to praise the woman for selling herself, but condemn the man that looks at her. Right. And, and I'm with that. Let's get rid of it. Right. And let's condemn those men. Yeah, they said the, the sexual freedom was prostitution, you know, women being able to prostitute themselves. That's true sexual freedom. Like that that's so backwards and opposite of reality. 
that's just part of the the feminist movement that is just uh just continues to pervert the truth man because because yeah. women do have value and they have specific purpose and i don't know if it was decades ago where the emphasis was well women could be like men they just haven't give, been given a chance um and it's shown over history that that is just not the case yeah um it pornography has robbed me of like the beauty of my marriage oh yeah both past present like it just is it's it's adultery yeah it is adultery did you hear about a on uh in uh jordan peterson's like exodus where he's talking to that jewish rabbi um i think it's prager oh okay remember. and he's basically saying it's adultery is not a sin oh yeah well important pornography is right not a right, sin right. adultery yeah. is not a sin. 613 yeah. laws adultery isn't one of them or uh lust sorry not adultery lust, Excuse yeah me. Lust. lust sorry it's like yeah because the lust because is they not were saying well lust is adultery you know that's yeah. what jesus and says. he's like that that's what jesus said that's not what the bible says and he's like well we can care to disagree there because your your lust is um, leading to something or it leads to some kind of thought. But he was basically advocating. I'd rather, I'd rather a man talk about that too. I think he did. He actually one. say something. Yeah, because I think he, he had a response. With Prager. Yeah, yeah, because he was like, well, know... "You're gonna, you're gonna go ahead and agree that it's okay for a man to look at pornography." Um, there's so many other things going on that did that. Like these these women are going to hell. These men are going to hell, and you're, yeah, yeah. Well, what people do do? have their agendas. How do, you, how do you, yeah? How do we how do we help fix that? Right. Well, and yeah, not not even just the fact that their soul is is damned, you know, until they meet Christ, but um, the fact that you it is it's so destructive to society. And, you know, a lot of these women are, are sexually trafficked. Um, they're doing a lot of this against their will. They're staying hopped up on drugs. They're not able to escape it. So there's a lot of human trafficking involved in that. Um, so even just the promoting it, even if you're, even if you're never going to watch it yourself, if you're okay with that happening, then you're advocating for the continuation of that type of evil. So, and that's something that I had to, to kind of get through my head as I was really going through my, um, cleansing of getting rid of pornography in my life was, was a thinking about the fact that I have a daughter now and that mm. these women are someone else's daughter. And so how would I feel, how disgusted would I feel if it was my own daughter put in that situation? Uh, and the other one is the. I could be supporting human trafficking. Like I just, when you think it, when you start to, to look at pornography in that way, I mean, yes, it's, 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 it's abominable. It's terrible. God detests it. It's a sin, but it also has these earthly consequences for your own self yeah. and for the people that are participating in it. Like we have to take a stand. I think pornography has been, has wrecked the church and, and wrecked so many Christian men that could have been standing strong on, you know, against some of this evil today. Here, quick Google, right? So we can just go there. 
So yeah. I remember. Is something you to share? Uh, no, nah, you don't need to. Okay. Um, statistically, according to Barana research, 68% of church-going men and more than 50% of pastors regular, regularly view porn. Yeah. So it gets a grip on you. It has a stronghold. It distorts yeah. things. It, it, it tugs at whatever that is. Like it, there, it, it has to be demonic. Right there's there's something more than what you're just viewing from a screen. So yeah. uh, John MacArthur basically gives this talk about the sexual revolution, right, and how it led us to gender fluidity and intersectionality. And basically, Hugh Hefner and the the uh, pornography becoming less and less taboo, right through the sexual revolution, and it, yeah. as it moved through time, it became. You know, you know, we started putting it on TV and it became easier and more accessible and more recognized, um, eventually led to uh, the homosexual movement, eventually led to the trans movement, eventually led to the intersectionality and um, that just gender fluidity movement to, to, to where we are today, perversion leading to more perversion. Yeah. Um, we, we play a role in that. Now, my sophomore year in college, we had our... I remember my professor showing us a clip and there was a 14 year old girl and she was dolled up to look like she was 18. Mm. Um, and the guy takes her into a hotel room. She gets dropped off to him, the, the, the pornography videographer mm. or whatever. Yeah. Um, and he, she gets dropped off, dolls her up to make her look like she's older than she is and has his way with her. Right. Like obviously that portion of the documentary, we don't see um, the person was just getting, uh, behind the scenes looks at things to show like, Hey, you're, you are supporting in some cases, yeah. human trafficking. And every time you click, even though you don't pay for it, just your view is giving it money. Yep. That person and that sick individual who slept with that 14 year old girl in that documentary got paid and yep. he gets paid every time that view is seen. So, or that, that image is seen. And the, and the problem is that for a lot of people, especially in a, in a non-Christian worldview, so what? Right? So what? Yeah. How can you say that that's evil? <laughs> How point. can you say that there's anything wrong with that? And that's the problem with this postmodern, atheistic, you know, secular society is that there's no, there's no more standard to appeal to. So it's, it's not wrong. So, uh, yeah, sure. Maybe for, in, unfortunate for that girl, you know. But that's her lot in life. That's just the way it is. You know, there's nothing objective to say that that's inappropriate or wrong. And and we're at the point now where people are making arguments in favor of that sort of thing. You know, the uh, pedophiles, which people will try to change the name and say they're minor attracted people. It doesn't make it any worse or any better. Um, they yeah. they're advocating now for that, too. And now they have an argument and a platform to stand on because there's no objective morality to appeal to. Yeah, there was a naturalist uh, kind of called in and had a discussion with uh, um, Jeff Durbin, and uh, he's basically making a case for it. Um, they were talking about like a tribe that just eats people, cannibalism, is it wrong? Um, right. And the guy basically said, like, the, I guess it would be the only thing that would be wrong if they didn't clean their plate because it would be wasteful. Right. At least he's consistent, but like that is that is where that leads to, right? When there is no understanding of the Imago Dei and that God is actually the, the moral authority over, over right. creation. 
yeah. Well, that'll do it. We didn't talk about Starbucks, but I'll just drop it in real quick. Uh, Starbucks ended up paying $26 million to one of their managers that they had fired after yeah. the incident that had happened, I think, in New Jersey, where um, two black males were in a Starbucks and they weren't paying for anything. And so they, I guess they got asked to leave. And so they made it a race thing. And so I guess Starbucks fired a bunch of managers that refused to fire white people. So it was a race related thing. And she basically won her lawsuit and is going to get 26 million from Starbucks um, for being fired because of her race for being fired. That was because an expensive she was white. lesson for yeah. Starbucks to learn. <laughs> well, Starbucks has also uh, just recently uh, with some in internal memos that have leaked, uh, I guess some of the workers unions have been complaining because they've been pulling down pride merchandise or, and pride celebratory things from the Starbucks um, and not displaying those anymore. And so of course people on the other side of that are, are angry and, and trying to, you know, go after Starbucks for that. But Starbucks as of right now, I think is denying that they are officially removing that stuff. But I mean, if, if the Bud Light thing and the Target and the Coles thing and all of the other things that have been happening boycott wise, if that's any yeah. indication, like there are far less Pride Month things on Twitter, um, you know, when it comes to <laughs> logos and stuff. So you got to remember these are businesses, right? So they got shareholders, they got people that are involved. So uh, they they want to basically bend their business, which way is more advantageous towards um how they can make money or remain relevant so that right. they do make money. Right. Or that they please the um, shareholders that are involved. Right. So that was actually on NPR today. That very topic came up about Starbucks. Really? Um, the discussion was, is that, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the, these companies aren't actually making decisions like this is who we are. This is what we stand for. These are our, this is our mission statement. This is our vision. Mm -hmm. This is what Starbucks is, right? Because they exclude themselves when they do that from an entire group of people. Either way you go, right? And those people are just obviously not going to shop in that location. Right. Obviously, the, if Starbucks said, hey, we are X, Y, and Z, and it's antithetical to the, the gospel that I preach, then I'm, I'm, not, I'm not partaking. So it's, it's pluralism, right? It's, it's them wanting to be relevant to everyone and to the consumer. And I get that. Um, you know, I also own a business, right? I, I want to be able to service everyone, um, but not at the expense of, you know, taking a backseat. Right? We we take a hard line. This is our mission. This is who we believe, what we believe in. And so, either if you hey, if you don't like it, hey, guess what? You're not my customer. <laughs> like it's fine. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Good thing about going back to just old capitalistic values. You know, my business, my right. I'll do what I want with it. Um, all right. What was the other one you had? You had Starbucks and something else. Well, we talked about the SBC. I said Starbucks, politics, and more. So I think we covered we covered a good majority of all that. So I think yeah. we were. So think, were we ever able to close? Sorry, I'll be honest. Ever able to close uh, that gentleman from London? No, not yet. And so, listeners, if you this we're coming be, for you. Well, here's uh. If you uh, if you're a fan of the show, which we appreciate everybody watching, even if it's just for a little bit, but um, Calvin Robinson, the uh, Anglican priest um, who got pretty famous for a speech he did at Oxford uh, Union uh, last year, I believe, 
um, has agreed to come on to our podcast. Uh, I did send him an email. Um, I did send him a follow-up that he responded to or replied to on Twitter. So I, I think he's just very busy. He actually has his own show on GBN, their uh, broadcast network out there. So he's a busy guy. He's probably got stuff going on. Um, I don't, I don't know if and when uh, it may be one of those cases where he's he has a short amount of time, and mm. we're gonna have to rush to try to to get on with him at that time. But uh, either way, man, it's just just the thought that he replied and would be willing to, I think, was you know pretty pretty awesome response. So. You, you know, Doctrines of Rad has had a ton of pretty significant, like we've had some pretty significant uh, guests. Yeah. On the show. Right. And so, and even if they aren't significant in the fame sense, um, they had some pretty good information to, to oh, yeah. give on, on a lot of things. So I, we're, we've been pretty blessed with who we've had actually uh, watch and attend the show. So. I totally agree. Yeah, absolutely. Had some, we've had rappers, we've had TikTok influencers. <laughs> we've had, uh, we did have a rapper. Savvy. We had, uh, uh, inspiring philosophy on like we've had some yeah. good, uh, had some great good john the messenger how's he do is he still doing tiktok have you been on tiktok i have not no, um, wow. I, I made a new i made a new one um it just i don't know what happened man it just the, the just the constant being squashed and squashed it's just like well i'd rather just invest my time into youtube uh so during my paternity leave i plan to Nice. Uh, dude, I went and spent eighteen hundred dollars on a on a studio for this show. Did you? Uh, for well, kind of like my my wife moved my furniture, like my office to uh, the dining room. So now I she was like, I want furniture that's going to look nice if it's going to be out in the open. <laughs> so I was like, okay. <laughs> uh, so I, I bought a desk. I bought some other stuff to go with it. Um, nice. And then some just other things for the house. So yeah, just um, put the microphone right next to the dog bowl. Next time we'll be good. It's literally right next to the door. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bro. You want to do? Uh, you want to share the gospel tonight? Yeah, I would love to. Um, so, just to to the the believers specifically, um, to to know the gospel is important. Know that message. Uh, to give that to uh, the non-believer is an opportunity for you that could change um, change their life. Right. So the heavens rejoice when a sinner comes to salvation. Right. So. Uh, it's important to know the gospel, know what it is. And so I want to, we kind of opened this show with this uh, form of the gospel, and I kind of wanted just to reiterate it today. Uh, so there's two portions to the gospel, right? There's the, the, the Jesus portion, the objective portion of what the gospel is, which is the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, right? So it's his, his works, what he did, who he is, why he came. Um, and then you have the subjective portion of the gospel, which is us, right? We are how it benefits me, Logan, how it benefits me, Drew, right? So you, the individual, how, what Jesus did, what the objective portion of the gospel did for you specifically. And that's where you kind of give your testimony, give it uh, in the sense of uh, letting people know who you were before Christ, who you are now, right? But, but, but you got to make sure that they understand the objective portion. Right, that they need to know uh, exactly who Jesus is and why it was important for Him to die for us. Why, why does the shedding of blood cover our sin? Right, why did He have to die for you to be forgiven or atoned for? Um, and so we go into the whole por portion of uh, you know 
uh, substitutionary atonement where, you know, he actually stands in our place. Um, and so I'll give a little portion of that, right? And then the subjective portion is what that means for you, right? Because he died, you are now made righteous in Christ, right? So Second uh, Corinthians 5, 21 gives, a, gives this understanding of the gospel real quickly, or substitutionary atonement specifically, like why Christ died. Um, so it says that he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf so that we can be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Right, so that he who made no, he who knew no sin, right, Christ, uh, was made sin for us. Right, so if you take that too far, that idea there gets a little distorted. That he actually becomes sin, but what it means is he was assigned our sin. Right, so your sin was actually assigned to Christ on the cross, and because of that, God pours out His wrath on His Son, who He loves, so that He doesn't have to pour out His wrath on you. Uh, the idea there is that when you stand before him on the day of judgment, you will have to give an account, we all will, for our actions, right? So we need to speak to our, our, the policymakers, to, to your neighbor, to everyone, and say, you know, one day you will stand before your maker. Your creator will judge you for what you've done. And your believe me, your good works are not enough. But luckily, what Christ did is enough. And he will clothe you and he will cover your sin. And he won't see your sin, but he will see Christ and his righteousness and his perfection. And that is important that you have to get that across to the non-believer. Um, you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And you have to, you have to let them know that they are loved by, by God. Loved so much that God died for them to be made right and reconciled with him. Um, I don't know. Is it it's too much, Drew? I'm sorry. No, I think that's good, man. Uh, at the end of the day, guys, if you haven't submitted your life to Christ, do it. And you can do it in any way. You can talk to the Lord. Uh, do it now. Do it now. Do it now. Send us do $50 it. first. Yes, and we'll send you a prayer <laughs> cloth with our names engraved. In it. Um, but yeah. All right, guys. Well, that'll do it for the show. Episode 38 is in the bag. Um, Rhett said it was solid, man. He said that was a solid gospel. He liked it. So there you go. There's your feedback, Logan. <laughs> The, Thanks, the, the feedback you crave, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. Well, we love you guys. That affirmation. Thank you Thanks, for hanging bro. out with us tonight. And we'll uh, catch you guys on episode 40, Big Four Zero, coming up two weeks from now on Wednesday. Love you guys. Good night. Doctrines of Red out.